Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present. Brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, www.ihconvention.com. The sermon you're going to hear today is by Noel Scott, preached in the year 2000 at Midwest Pilgrim Holiness Camp Meeting, and it's titled, The Coming of the Lord. I know you're going to enjoy this message. Thinking of a scripture that seemed about the only one that could be appropriate and on an occasion like this, if I can just find it. And I don't even know if I can or not. But after, after that great list of heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, the writer just got beside himself and said, what shall I more say? <laughs> I mean, what could be added to that wonderful rendering of the, of the wonderful uh, hallway of fame of the Christian believers? Thank God forever. Glory be to Jesus forever. Amen. We can say with Peter, James, and John, it's good for us to be here. I believe we've all received help, haven't we? God has helped us. He's helped me. I've needed this camp meeting, and I thank the Lord for personal help received throughout the course of the camp meeting. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'll just uh, try to share a little bit tonight, and, uh, and then we'll go home. I, I should try to say something. The others have done so well expressing appreciation, and I'm not good at it. Even my wife will tell you I'm not good at it. But I deeply appreciate the rich spiritual experience that it's been to be in this camp meeting again. I had looked forward to it. I had memories of previous pilgrim camps, and it made me want to come back again. And I want to express appreciation for my co-workers. I did not recall having met Brother Yancey. He said we had been in service together before, but everybody knows how forgetful I am. But I'll tell you what I feel. I feel like we've had a prophet among us. And though I would do it with fear and trembling, I'd like to sit at his feet a lot longer and hear a lot more from, his, from God's servant, Brother Yancey. I, I'm just glad God's got people planted around that you and I don't even know about, but they're on the firing line for Jesus and doing a wonderful work for the kingdom of God. And then it's been wonderful how Sister Judy Williams has slipped in. I don't know if she even knows this or not, but Brother Yancey told me after he had spoken in the last night service, he you remember how the Lord came, he had given that word of exhortation and then actually he was going to have a stand for prayer, and then he was going to preach. That was his plans. But the Lord began moving on the congregation, and people began coming to the altar, which all of us preachers like that. But here's what he told me after service. He said, Brother Scott, I was going to preach on hell tonight. And of course, that was overruled. But Sister Judy just came in. I, I didn't sense the least bit of break or change the Holy Ghost just kept speaking and it's been blessed and I've already spoken how much I've appreciated Brother Larry Thomas I've tried
tried to think of something good to say about LaDonna too, but... Uh, <laughs> But we've got another meeting coming up together in September, so maybe by that time I can. No, we love the Thomases, don't we? And I just feel there's been a special anointing, a special anointing. And beloved, that's what makes it. Whether it's big talent or little talent, it's the anointing that makes it a blessing to my heart. And I've been blessed by their singing and all the other things that could be added. Brother Gray, it's been good to be with you. Been good to be in camp. And I love the pilgrims, even though you've got a lemon for a vice president. <laughs> we, we love the pilgrims. I feel more like a pilgrim all the time. I just feel right at home with you. And we even attended the, attended the pilgrim Christmas supper last year. I'm kind of fishing for an invitation this coming year. We'll just have to see how it will go. As you think of us, we would appreciate your continued prayers. We're to be in Oklahoma. It's a little over 900 miles. I have to preach on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. And uh, Sister Scott's going to have to drive part of that time to help me get there. But if you think of it, continue to remember through the summer, I think it's uh, one, two, three, four more camps. And we just need the strength of the Lord and the anointing of the Spirit. Now, the message that I'm going to give tonight, I believe the Lord wants me to give it, is the shortest message I ever preach in revivals or camp meetings. Actually, the body of the message normally takes hardly a little over 15 minutes. But the conclusion takes about the same amount of time. But I feel it's what God wants me to share with you tonight. Could I say this before I read the scripture? I'm not a sports fan. I never was. Even when I was a teenager, I just never was a sports fan. Now around school, we enjoyed playing softball and had a good time, but I've never been to a commercial game of any kind and don't have any plans to. So I don't know much about sports. I, I wouldn't know enough about football to talk intelligently to anyone about it. But I have learned this much about baseball. That when a manager arranges the batting order, he has a very definite philosophy that determines why he places certain batters in the lineup where he does. He may even put some of the weaker batters up front, but periodically spaced in that batting order, he'll put what they call power hitters. I mean, they're the fellows that can bring the others in when they get on base. You know what they call them? They call them cleanup batters. They just clean the bases when they connect. Friend, I like to have cleanup services in camp meetings and revivals so that everything that hasn't gotten done up to that point, people respond, obey God, and let the Holy Spirit complete his work. I hope we'll do that tonight.
Would you mind to stand with me for the reading of the word? It'll be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. I would like to read the first, the first 13 verses of this very familiar passage. I would be glad if a few could lift our hands in prayer. I don't feel bombastic about this truth, but I feel serious about it tonight. Matthew 25, verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out, and in the original it's are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And would you listen to these words carefully? And they that were ready. It doesn't say those that were getting ready, but those that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. And A.T. Robertson in word pictures in the New Testament says, the syntax there says the door was shut to stay shut. It wasn't going to be reopened. Afterward came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, here's the conclusion for the other 12 verses. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Father, as we look into thy word for these few moments tonight, recognizing that all of us are eternity bound, all of us will be someone, somewhere, forever. Lord, we know it's only those that are ready that'll actually go in when the trumpet sounds, when the cry is made. And Lord, if there's any of our loved ones here, brothers and sisters, family members, oh God, anyone present tonight that hasn't made the final preparation, would you walk up and down these aisles and in and out at each pew and give each of us an ear to hear what the Spirit would speak to us. And Father, to thy worthy name shall be all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, for we ask it, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
The coming of Jesus will be the subject tonight. And the coming of the Lord will be sudden. And it'll be surprising. And it'll be separating. Things are not ever going to be the same again after Jesus comes back to this earth again. Just three things. You can start your timing now. Just three things I want to lift from this passage. First, an unexpected delay. It was normal in those days because this is patterned after the Jewish wedding feast. It was normal that the bridegroom would come sometime between 8 and 9 in the evening. But in this case, 8 o'clock came and went, as did 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock came and went, but the bridegroom had not come. There was an unexpected delay. Friend, I don't know, and you don't know when it'll be. God in his wisdom has withheld that information from us. And friend, our, our responsibility is to get ready and stay ready and be ready at any moment. In fact, at the close of Matthew 24 and the beginning of Matthew 25, there are two alternative perils relating to Jesus' coming. There at the end of chapter 24, the, the master, or rather the servant said, My Lord delayeth his coming. He's not going to show up very quickly. And he began to smite his fellow servants. Friend, if we're not getting along with our fellow Christians, it's a dead giveaway. We're not looking for Jesus to show up. Brother, I don't want to be found fighting another Christian when the Lord comes. I want to be found in harmony with the church of Jesus Christ and enjoying fellowship and blessing because I'm looking for Jesus to come back. But in that case, the master came sooner than he was expected and appointed that man his portion with the hypocrites. And it says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In that case, the master came sooner than expected. But in our passage tonight, he didn't show up as soon as they thought. And while they looked for him, the time came and went. There was an unexpected delay. Friend, I look for Jesus any time, any moment, any day, any hour. But you know, no man knows the date or the hour. And it may be longer than we think. We've got to keep planning, keep working, keep living, keep praying, keep obeying. It may be sooner than we think. It may be longer than we think. But in this case, there was an unexpected delay. Secondly, tonight, not only was there an unexpected delay, but there were some unprepared maidens. Friend, I don't know any truth that grips my heart more than the thought I could miss it. I could fail to keep my prayer life up. I could fail in some way and miss it. And I don't know any truth that makes me want to keep more on spiritual tiptoe than the fact he could come at any times. At any time, I should say. And in this passage, the stress is on the foolish rather than the wise. 
And by the foolish in this passage, Matthew Henry says, God doesn't mean hypocrites. He doesn't mean the openly ungodly. He's not talking about those that are fighting against religion. They're already lost. But he's talking about the negligent in prayer and the slothful in spiritual things that let the most important thing in life slide by and, and be pushed to the side and we get too busy with other things till we fail in the maintenance of our own soul and our own spiritual condition. And it wasn't that they had no oil at all, but they didn't have sufficient oil. I mentioned in one of the early services of this meeting that I don't think for the most part that our greatest danger is going out into some gross unthinkable sin, but it's just adjusting to the spirit of the age till little by little we cool off, we become lukewarm and fail to maintain the relationship, our prayer life, our devotional life, and keep the fire on the altar of our soul. I think that's where our greatest danger is. And that brought these maidens to an unexpected, un, un, to be unprepared maidens. And they were unprepared for two reasons. Number one, they had insufficient oil. I mentioned a moment ago, wasn't that they had none, but they didn't have sufficient. And someone said, one cannot prepare for the Lord's coming. You see, I'll finish the statement in just a moment. As soon as they realized our lamps are going out, they said to the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise said, not so lest there be not enough for us. And that teaches us you can't prepare for Jesus coming by proxy. And you can't borrow what has to be bought. I can't get it from you, and you can't get it from me. If we have this oil, we all have to go to the same place and we all have to pay the same price. And these fail to be ready because of insufficient oil. Secondly, they failed or they were unprepared because of insufficient time. Friend, I don't know when that is. Sister Judy mentioned a, a line that's drawn I don't know where that line is when it is too late to get ready. But these maidens had crossed over that line. When they realized they didn't have it, and the wise said, go to them that sell, it was already too late. And friend, there'll come a day. There'll come a day when you'll wish you had done what your heart was telling you to do in pilgrim camp meeting in 2000 when you realized now I could have done it then, but I can't do it now. And they missed it because of insufficient time. That brings me to the final point in the body of the message, an unopened door. Unexpected delay, unprepared maidens, and then an unopened door. I mentioned a while ago the statement that A.T. Robertson makes when he said they that were ready went in and the door was shut, that it means shut to stay shut. 
Meanwhile, the other foolish had gone to buy to try to find oil. And now they come back knocking and saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And Matthew Henry says, having not found oil, now they come seeking mercy. But it's too late because of insufficient time and insufficient oil. And the Lord from the inside says, I know you not. And one writer, I've forgotten who it is, says, in the sense where Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and I am known of them. In that sense, he said, I don't know you. You haven't been calling upon me. You haven't been keeping things ship spiritually. That brings me to the conclusion tonight. The great Bible scholar Bingle makes the statement that at the time of the Lord's coming, there will be four classes of people. The first class, he says, is that class of people, and I believe we have some of them here tonight, that class of people that when they leave this world, they have lived such a life of love and devotion to Christ that when they leave here, nobody has any idea or any question mark about where they were headed. Don't you know some people like that? They will have such an abundant entrance into the city. No one has any question mark about where they went when they left this world. Friend, I just want to testify to you, that's the group I want to be in. I want to live in such a way that if an accident would happen before we get to the next meeting, nobody would have any question whether Noel Scott was ready to meet Jesus or not. An abandoned entrance into the city of God. Friend, it isn't all preachers. I know some great saints Oh, that have such a long relationship with Jesus. You just love to be around them and savor their spirit. I can hardly keep from talking about a little lady in our home church at Overland Park where we used to go while we were working at the college. Helen Ross probably doesn't weigh over 95 pounds. A little gal, girl, little lady out of West Virginia still has the West Virginia twang. I like to hear her talk. But you know the reason I like to go to church with her? She comes to church full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, if there's any kind of stuff, something's going to be stirring around where Helen Ross is. And if you're seated behind her, you get a little premonition of when something's going to happen. For there's an unusual phenomena about Helen Ross. I don't know that it happens to anybody else, but it happens to Helen. When she starts getting blessed, the back of her neck starts getting red. Color begins to climb up. And brother, if you're sitting behind her, you just punch the person next to you. Something's going to happen. First thing you know, one arm's in the air, then two, then she's standing. Then she's out of the arm. 
hell, going back and forth, glorifying God. Friend, if I got word that Helen Ross passed away, I knew there was a new inhabitant of the city of God because she lives in that way and lives for it. I say again, that's the kind of group, that's the group I want to be in. And the good part about it is every one of us can be in Oh, I'm about to feel blessed again. Just the prospect. Uncle Buddy said, it'll be worth going to heaven just for the trip, the splendors, and all that'll be revealed. Oh, Dr. H.C. Morrison took that verse, in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. He translated it, in my father's universe are many worlds. I go to get one ready for you. Friend, eye has not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I say again, the best days are yet to come for the children of God. That's the first group Bingo talks about. Those with an abundance. Second, and turn your timers off. It's going to take me just a little longer. You're not listening fast enough. The second group, he says... Can I ask your pardon? The second group are those that are saved like a shipwrecked mariner. A shipwreck on the sea and a person just finally with the last expenditure of strength and effort finally grabs onto shore and makes it in. Saved like a shipwrecked mariner, who with great difficulty reaches shore. Friend, that's a lot better than being lost. But I don't want to risk my soul on just barely, barely grasping and finally making it in. We can't afford to risk it. Yes, they're saved. So as by fire, the scripture said, Oh, I'm glad some will get in. But I don't want to risk my soul. And I want to encourage you, don't risk your soul. Then he said, there'll be a third group who go the Broadway, evidently go the Broadway with all there is of them. Till when they leave this world, nobody has any question where they went either. I can't hardly imagine this, but this happened in our little town just a few months ago. A man was dying, an ungodly sinner man, and he knew he was dying. You you know what his final request was? Bury me, he said, with a can of beer in my hand in the casket. Those that travel the Broadway, seemingly running recklessly headlong down a slippery slope, with apparently not a thought about their soul. I don't know whether to even tell you this next or I told this story in a revival meeting at Franklin, Indiana, Brother Dunn's church. 
And afterward, I can't think of the other preacher in the church there. He had uh, the funeral of, uh, say it, Cheatham, Brother Cheatham. He said, Brother Scott, I can tell you one worse than that that happened in our town. A man died. He was evidently a man of means. But he said, I want my wig to be at the bar. He wanted his casket laying in state in the bar and left money that people could come and drink all they wanted to drink at his wake. What are you talking about, Brother Scott? I can't even think in those times. I'm saying there's some people that are going down the Broadway that there won't be a ghost of a chance of ever seeing them in eternity. And then Bingle said, there'll be a fourth group. And this group are those, and it's the saddest to me of all, a group that though they seemed not far from the kingdom, they seemed not far from the kingdom. And yet they miss it in the end. People that love church, love the preacher, love camp meeting, love God's people, but they just never really get settled in the depth of their own soul. And Bingle says, such were the five foolish virgins. Sister Scott, if you'll come. In closing, I can think it would be easier to go to hell, easier to miss the rapture from some untaught unprivileged, without opportunity. But friend, I don't think we realize the spiritual richness of our privilege in God. And friend, we can be so close, so close, but be as lost as the man that wanted a bottle of beer or a can of beer in his hand. As I conclude, I want to just read the words of a song. I haven't heard it for years, but I think some of you will remember a song entitled, One Day Too Late. And I have the feeling I'm preaching to some that are close to getting victory and you intend to have victory, and you want to have victory. But you're going to wait one day too late. Do you remember the words of that song? I think a lot of you will. I never thought I'd see the day when, I, when you would come to kneel and pray. I never thought I would see the church house filled to capacity. And outside the door there's more who have never come before. Oh, what a shame that Jesus came just one day 
before. The chorus goes, you came just one day too late. Jesus came and you've been left behind to wait. Yesterday you couldn't find the time for Jesus on your mind. You finally came to call his name, but you came one day too late. The last verse goes like this. You tried to live the best you could. Tried to do the things you should. But when it came to serving God, you said, I still have time to wait. But now it's all turned around. Time to serve him. Now you've found how sad the fate you found the time just one day too late. You came just one day too late. Jesus came and you've been left behind to wait. Yesterday you couldn't find the time for Jesus on your mind. You finally came to call his name. But one day, just one day, too late. Will you stand with me while the Thomases come? I want them to turn to that song. There's a great day coming. It is coming, friend. And some of us believe that it has to be very near at hand. And dear hearts, we may not be back for camp meeting next year none of us know how long it will be thank you for listening to convention pulpit a ministry of inner church holiness convention featuring wesleyan voices past and present for more sermons or for more information visit www.ihconvention.com this ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners keep passing it on keep passing it on keep passing it on